and welcome to episode 105 of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. Luke is out celebrating the fact that the Edmonton Oilers have been eliminated from the NHL playoffs, but I was able to convince Caleb to take a break from his own celebration to sit down and have a conversation with me. Hi, Caleb. Hello. How happy are you that the Edmonton Oilers have been eliminated from the NHL playoffs? It is a huge relief. It is always satisfying when the team that eliminates your team that you root for is eliminated by another team that you hate but has a favorite player on that team. So all that to say, I'm glad that they're gone, but I still have an animosity toward Vegas who eliminated them, but glad that that um, Edmonton can't get into cup this year. Yes, that's right. And at the risk of turning into a sports podcast real quick, which we are not going to, I have to also say, uh, don't mistake our happiness that the Oilers are gone as a f- some type of fandom for the Vegas Golden Knights because we are not fans of that team either. As you have listened and know, our team are, are, is the Kings. So, uh, yeah, Vegas, thank you. Uh, but I hope you're eliminated quickly too. <laughs> but thank we you for eliminating fans. the Oilers in that order. <laughs> Absolutely. We're fans of the sport, but we're no bandwagons. So Kings all the way, even when they're eliminated. Go Kings, go in October. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But before we start talking about some nerd stuff, I wanted to take a minute to say a a very special thank you. Uh, Recently, our family experienced a bit of a medical scare and we had to spend some time in in the hospital. Um, Everything, thankfully, everything is good. Everything is good. But I wanted to take a minute to appreciate doctors and nurses everywhere. Um, These people literally spend their days caring for other people and it's incredible to see uh, some just the our, from our own experience, just the compassion, the love, the caring that that we received um, through our experience was really just so what's the opposite of disheartening, heartening, I guess, to, which just doesn't do the job, in my opinion. But it really renews your faith and your love in other human beings and people uh, when you see good doctors and good nurses doing what they do. You know, even people, that, you know, orderlies, uh, the people that don't get recognition at all, the people that come in and make sure your the hospital room is clean, um, they literally spend their lives taking care of other people, and it's incredible. Nurses are absolute superhumans. You know, we have our superhuman episodes, right, where we, we could probably just choose a nurse at random and talk about uh, some some person because the job yeah. that they do is, is great. Um, doctors, the time and the dedication and the their brains are fascinating to me. Just what they know and what they're able to do uh, is just incredible. So if you're listening, if you're a doctor or you're a nurse, thank you. Thank you for what you do every single day. You make a difference and you aren't thanked enough. So again, from us at the Colby cast, thank you and keep up the good work. That's, um, that's it for that. So here we'll get onto the important stuff which is Star Wars, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit, Caleb, because out of nowhere, it seemed like just last week or sometime recently, I kept on seeing tweets and Instagram posts and articles about Kathleen Kennedy and her talking about Star Wars movies. And 
and they all piqued my interest. And I was able, you know, nowadays what people do is they, they cherry pick quotes and they write articles, but it's not the people that interviewed that person. They're just writing articles about other articles. I wouldn't necessarily call these things clickbait because there's, I think, worse forms out there that are that fall under clickbait. But you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I kept I, I kept on reading these articles because I wanted to see what she was saying about these Star Wars movies that were announced at Celebration. And they all sort of led back to one interview, which was an article in a magazine called Empire. Ironic, right? Uh, and that's a UK, that's a British um, magazine, entertainment magazine. So I was able to uh, check it out. I actually, uh, you know, signed up for a, a, uh, uh, a the app, an Empire, so I could read this article because it seemed like they just had so many interesting things, and I wanted to read it from the source. And every time I read something new, I'm like, I wonder what Caleb and Luke think about this. I'm like, let's talk about this. So unfortunately, Caleb, Luke is out there having too much fun celebrating. Uh, so you're going to have to <laughs> bear the brunt of my excitement for this article, Caleb. So thank you. Um, give me one second. I'm going to go get my goalie gear on so I can really withstand this pressure. <laughs> yeah. At least get your helmet. Cause yeah. you know, you're going to need some kind of protection. Um, <laughs> so we talked about, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to Ross and Tom about, you know, we, we like broke down celebration, had a real long conversation about that. Uh, but you and, and Luke really haven't gotten a chance to talk about celebration here for yourselves but we you're aware obviously that three movies were announced right uh yep. a movie about the jedi twenty five thousand years before anything that we know about right um Love it. There's the dave yeah the dave filoni um movie about what people are calling the mandoverse um <laughs> aka i think they're trying to call this the new republic era if you don't want to call it the Mandalorian. So in-universe, it's sort of like the New Republic era. And then there's going to be a movie about Rey Skywalker rebuilding the New Jedi Order. And they're sort of referring to that as the New Jedi Order era. So that's post-Rise of Skywalker. Um, but Kathleen Kennedy started talking about these movies to Empire, and I found some of the inf- information very interesting. So I'm not going to just run through a bunch of information. I want you to to give me your inf- your opinion on on anything that's interesting to you because I found some of it very interesting. Um, first first things first, and I sort of talked about the James Mangold movie uh, is going to it's going to be an even longer time ago in a galaxy far away, um, <laughs> twenty five thousand years, uh, and then she referenced you know that's that's the way that they're making these movies is a long time ago, the present. And then sort of the future with the Ray movie after Rise of Skywalker. The James Man- – first of all, what do you think about that format in and of itself? Because we are used to having trilogies or standalone movies, you know, with Rogue One or Solo. So what do you think about the three movies that they announced, um, but they're so drastically different across all three movies? You know, I honestly like it, and I like it because – Fundamentally, I'm big on variation and change in things that I want to see, (laughs) not necessarily in everything, but to have three stories so different and so drastically different at that, I think is even more impressive to be able to say, yeah, ultimately, it's all in the same universe. It's all coming back to the same timeline, but it's just allowing Disney now uh, to 
fill in the gaps more than they already do because they're already so good at that. And this format where it's going to be 25,000 years before anything, I'm really curious to see what it's going to look like because all of us as Star Wars fans have this image in our head of what all Star Wars could, can, and should look like. And 25,000 years, if you look at that in like uh, an Earth timeline, everything's different, right? Now throw it into the sci-fi universe of Star Wars. Everything should be different. And I really, really hope beyond hope that it's accepted with um, an open mind and open arms because Star Wars fans have a tendency, not all, I won't generalize because I hate generalizations, but a lot of Star Wars fans will be, I'll say problematic for lack of a better term, in terms of things that are different, things that they don't think should be the way that it's it's shown, right? So for me, being like you and just wanting to enjoy something for what it is and on screen and not trying to make it my own thing, I'm really excited. I think that all sounds absolutely fascinating. I agree, and I think you were very diplomatic in the way you approached that. So so proud, so proud. <laughs> um, and one thing that you mentioned was how it looks. And she actually brought something up, and to get a, l- a little bit into the specifics about the about what she said, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, that is, um, she brought that up about how with this movie, the James Mangold movie, she said that you're going you're going to see things that you've never seen before, but it will still be familiar. And she sort mm. of brought up that Star Wars, of course, being twenty five thousand years in the past. It has to look different, of course. Like you, you mentioned, you know, look at our own history; it's it looks drastically different. So, of course, it's going to have to be like that. But she also said that the familiar is there because if you make it too different, then you. She even she used the phrase like you you leave the reservation. You're no longer making a Star Wars movie. So yeah. that's cool to to hear. There's still going to be that connective tissue. And it makes me even more excited because you just don't even know what it's gonna what what's like what are we gonna see what's this movie going to be like and I'm excited for it. Um, talking when she honestly there wasn't much in the in the article about the Dave Filoni movie except for the fact that she mentioned that it will be a sort of an event type of movie a culmination of the stories that we're seeing being told to us on Disney Plus so Mandalorian. Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, uh, these other these other types of uh, series. Um, so one of the things that Dave Filoni did mention, it's not in the Kathleen Kennedy portion of the article, but he sort of has his own feature in this article. And he talked about how Star Wars, like the Skywalker saga, gave us the big events that affected the galaxy. And then all these other stories sort of fill in the gaps, as you mentioned before. And one of the things that he feels he's done story-wise is find a big event that he can translate into a movie because he sort of felt like the movies should be the big events. And then you can get into the more, more of the weeds in other forms of storytelling, whether it's books, comics, or TV shows. So he does feel like whatever this movie is going to look like for him, he feels like he's cracked a big enough event to actually make a feature film about and that's pretty exciting to me too um but i'm sorry i sort of got off into my own rabbit hole here about uh, an article within an article that's the feloni movie one of the things that she said i think was interesting 
Kathleen Kennedy again was she she gave some interesting words about the the new Jedi Order movie that Ray Skywalker is going to be building a new Jedi Order. She's going to be basing it on the texts that she got from Luke in the Last Jedi, and that the the First Order obviously had fall has fallen, and that the Jedi are in chaos at this time frame, and that um, there's even a question of how many Jedi actually exist anymore, which I thought was sort of interesting because it seems pretty obvious to me, doesn't it? Like once we get to the Rise of Skywalker, there aren't a lot of Jedi running around. It's it's pretty much Ray trying to carry that torch. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that they're going to even bring that into the idea of the the question of how many Jedi are out there. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued yeah. about this movie. I am too. I feel like it sort of goes back to Kenobi as well. Like you see him suppressing his force wielding abilities, just trying to go and do what he needs to do to not be found and just to survive. But it that also makes me think like there are so many others, the survivors doing the same thing or doing it in their own way. I would love to see a story where it shows 5, 10, 15, just discovering every Jedi doing a similar thing to Kenobi and having Rey lead that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. So I'm excited. I thought it was an interesting context that she put it in. Another thing that she brought up in the article went into is sort of their release strategy. Um, She talked about the movies they're going forward that they're going to make the movies when they're ready to be made. And that's a really interesting quote because it's very different from what Disney started doing when they bought Lucasfilm now, gosh, it's 10 years ago now, where they were going to have a Star Wars movie every year. Mm. And, you know, we could go into probably a podcast series about how that worked and whatnot. We're not going to bother with that now because frankly, they're changing that strategy. She, and I lifted this quote. I wanted to read it for you word for word. So this is Kathleen Kennedy's words. She said, quote, I've often brought up bond. So James bond that every three or four years, uh, that's every three or four years. And there wasn't this pressure to feel like you had to have a movie every year. I feel that was very important to Star Wars. We have to eventize this. Honestly, the first time I've ever seen that word eventize, so I'm going to go with it. But i that's sort of music to my ears. So we may not have you know the pressure of Marvel movies where they're pumping out three movies a year. They're keeping things on track. You know, We've got the DCU coming, which is probably going to be similar where we're going to have one or two possible DC movies out every year. Um Star Wars, I feel like it should have that big event feel to a movie coming out in a in a movie theater. So I'm a fan of this change in strategy. What do you think? I love it. I absolutely love it. It was one of the things that I was curious to know your opinion on. And to make Luke's presence a little bit known, he brings up dilution a lot, right? So yeah. I feel like bringing movie after movie and like Marvel where they bring out three movies, other projects now that they've gone into streaming, but having the expectation that is so different compared to like the, what do they call it? Like the dead area of star Wars where there was nothing. 
the dark times. The dark times. There you go. So I feel like we're in the opposite of that. I think yeah. the break, <laughs> the making sure that the eventization, I conjugated I that word. Like so let's go. I like it. I like it. all my brain capacity. Um, to make it a little bit more enjoyable and build it and have it really be a release rather than like, okay, that's already marked on our calendar for 364 days from today. Um, I think it's going to make it a little bit more enjoyable in anticipation instead of expectation. And I think it's a great strategy in terms of marketing and advertising it because the fans everywhere who knows the news knows now, but they can still look forward to it without having expectations of what it's going to look like or what they want it to look like. I, all I know is that uh, first of all, I echo everything you're saying and I agree with you. Um, Whenever we get another star Wars movie and actually that's going to be the next thing we get into is sort of when can we expect these? Uh, Whenever that is, it's going to be an, it's going to have that anticipation. You brought it up. And that was, that's one of my favorite things about a star Wars movie is the anticipation leading up to it. And they're going to be able to build the hype around star Wars movies, the hype that it's, they've always had that you simply cannot build in a year's time. Yeah. One of the things that people said hurt solo was that it came out, you know, five, six months after the last Jedi. I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea. Solo, I love Solo. I love Star Wars. Um, but six months to for a fans to build themselves, sort of whip themselves up into a frenzy and then go blow out the box office on the opening weekend is not definitely not the same as two, three, four years. So whenever they're coming, I like the fact that she referenced that they're going to make them when they need to be made and not feel like they have to jam things into a time frame. Because I do feel like now that we got four or five, six years of Star Wars movies, I feel like they are more of a slow cooker type of movie. The Star Wars movies are crockpots. You know, good stuff comes out of crockpots, you know. Uh, (laughs) Marvel, I have no problem with Marvel. They seem to have found the formula that they need to be able to push out two, three films a year. Phase four is debatable, of course, but phase four had a pandemic in the middle of it. So let's just give them, let's be patient with them. But I I do feel like Star Wars is more made for that slow burn experience. So, um, of course, there's no release dates for any of these movies. She did mention, though, and, and, you know, people can start to speculate and read the tea leaves based on other things like, are there directors attached to the movie? Is there a script for the movie? Are there stars attached to the movies? Um, if the answer to those questions are no, then you need to start worrying about, okay, is this movie going to be made? But in this case, all of them, it, the, the answer to the, all this is a yes. James Mangold is attached to the 25,000 year ago movie, but he has a movie that he's going to be making about Bob Dylan that starts filming in August. So, that means the next year of his life, most likely minimum, is going to be dedicated to his Bob Dylan movie, and not actively to his Star Wars movie. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guess that that's going to be the first one on the list. The New Jedi Order movie uh, with Ray, uh, she said in the interview that the script for that movie is due this month. So that's always a good thing if you get a script locked in and ready to go. That's 
the first that's like the next thing on the list right before you can actually go into production you're not going to start uh, a production of a movie unless you have a good script involved one of the things that could be really messing things up are is the direct i'm sorry the um the writers guild strike which nothing right now is being written so that holds up the production too so obviously we need to acknowledge that and say you know this could delay things inevitably you know uh for an unforeseen amount of time uh, and then the Filoni one, you never know. I mean, the Filoni is just there working all the time, right? <laughs> so yeah. could his be the first in line? We don't know. They haven't announced it. Um, but then again, I don't really care. I just, I want them to be good and I want them to be released when they should be released. And it seems like that's the approach they're taking. Previous to all these announcements, there was talk of Taika Waititi making a Star Wars movie. Way back in the Last Jedi days, they announced a Ryan Johnson trilogy, trilogy, not just a movie, a trilogy. Yeah. They announced a Patty Jenkins. Of course, she made Wonder Woman, uh, the, a Patty Jenkins Star Wars movie called Rogue Squadron. And they even mentioned uh, a Lando Calrissian Disney Plus series. And none of those things have really been pushed forward officially. And everybody's asking about them in their sort of out there lingering out there in the zeitgeist. Uh, but she talked about him in this interview and she just gave quick updates. She said, Taika Waititi movie is still happening. And she said that he would not be mad at her for saying this. He's just slow. <laughs> he's, writing, he's writing it by himself. And she said that he's slow and that's fine. Take your time, Taika. She said that two out of three acts are written, but they still need that third act. She said that she talks to Ryan Johnson almost every day, that his trilogy is still something that they want to get to, but he's just become so popular and so busy that it keeps getting pushed down the road. Uh, she even said that the Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron and the Lando series are still in the books. So if you look at these three movies and then you add a Ryan Johnson trilogy that doubles that take six, Taika Waititi seven, Patty Jenkins eight, that's a lot of Star Wars movies, and if she's saying that they're going to take a slow three- to four-year approach, just those that are listed, we're looking at 20 years of movies, right? Yeah. So everybody slow your roll, enjoy it when it comes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that huge info dump I just gave you? I'm all for it. If you, I think it's such a great marketing strategy because you don't want to leave fans just – putting theories on um, on the interwebs, as you like to say. Um, <laughs> but you also don't want to say, okay, here's going to be the next year to a T. Because, again, it gets rid of the ability for, for hype and goes back to the interwebs. You want people talking about it, but not trying to steer the ship. So I think all of this info is very helpful and still allows them to have celebration and have them have these events where it brings a community literally together, but it also allows, I don't know how else to describe it than say like a uh, five or six year old saying, I want to play this sport and having them play a bunch of different sports to see what else they like instead of just being stuck on the one thing all the time. So allowing the time to enjoy old Star Wars projects, but also take a break from Star Wars at the same time allows them to enjoy it more once it's served on their plate. I had to laugh a little bit when I was reading this article because the author 
sort I think sort of tipped his or her hat. I don't um when they when they said something about it's been so long since there's been a Star Wars movie and it referenced that the Rise of Skywalker came out 2019. Caleb, it's 2023. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yes it is. And you even mentioned it the dark times. There was <laughs> there were two decades that there was no Star Wars anything. Exactly. If you're not counting the expanded universe, which totally deserves its day in the sun because it did help so many people, you know, scratch the Star Wars itch when there was nothing through the 80s, through the 90s. You know, we had the special editions re-released in the mid 90s, and that's great, but that's not new necessarily new Star Wars stuff. You know, the prequels came 1999 and so on. Uh, so now it just goes to show you how spoiled we are as Star Wars fans that when a movie doesn't come out in four years, that's considered a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing I think is crazy is they're still working on shows. They're still working on animation and all this different stuff. And they're going to come out within that time. Like it's not going to be absolutely nothing between now and the next, those of those three movies to come out. Exactly right. Because we've been talking about the movies, but one of those movies specifically is literally being built by TV shows. Yeah. And we know Ahsoka is coming in August. We know there's a, a Mando season four. At least the scripts are written according to John Favreau. Of course, no release date for that. Who knows what other ideas they have to introduce before they get to that movie, because that whole movie is going to exist because of those characters. Um, I don't know. Give me five seasons of each before we get the event film. I, I you know, that may be a little bit of an exaggeration because I don't know why I want to wait that long, but uh, the concept of that is just so interesting to me. Uh, yeah, so that was it. That's uh, the last quote that I will leave everybody with on the Star Wars article from Kathleen Kennedy said, we just want them to be great. And that is the biggest, the most music to my ears because we want them to be great too, right? Don't yeah. rush. Don't worry. Just do the job, tell the right story, get the right characters, and make them great. Not that what we haven't gotten so far, I've loved every second of it, but don't rush. Don't feel like you have to release something every every 12 months in the theater. So looking forward to the future of Star Wars. Me too. So with all the Star Wars stuff, it made me think of how different production companies try and manage their own stuff and I, I was genuinely curious and you're very easygoing when it comes to this stuff because ultimately it's entertainment not our livelihood that we watch right so what is your opinion on like all like the the remakes whether it's remaking a show that was released in the early 2000s or disney's remake of like mulan and lion king all this different stuff compared to just having an original project be released that's a really good question um and it's timely too because a few weeks from now we're we're going to be seeing um the little mermaid drop in theaters yep. peter pan and wendy a remake of that just came out on disney plus so that's two big different experiences right one at home and one in the theater um and i'm sort of torn to be quite honest because i do enjoy the updated um 
versions of these movies because of the way that technology and the advances in technology, um, you know, not to take anything away from the, my favorite movies of my childhood or even cartoons or even um, TV shows, but the special effects obviously were, are not what they, they, what, what they were back then. They're not what they are now. And things just look better. Like I used to watch a show called land of the lost when I was little. And it was about a family that got, you know, inexplicably transported to the past and they had to live their life um, with dinosaurs. You know, now I'm questioning myself. I don't even know if it was the past or if it was like some alternate reality. All I know is that they had to live in their existence and their reality was based on surviving daily life with dinosaurs and it was all claymation stuff and it was fun for kids at the time. But now, you know, you've got the rancor on the book of Boba Fett, right? And you've got dinosaurs, you know, that, that, um, I don't know what they called it in the Mando, the, the monster that took the the kid. Um, and they had to, I mean, these things, they're able to make them and they make them look so great. I enjoy that aspect of the updating of, these old stories that they're remaking. Um, I enjoy the nostalgia of them. Some, especially like some of the more like Disney musical kind of numbers. Uh, I like, I like the music aspect of it. I like to see them updated in a cultural way where different characters look like different people. And to me, they look more like the world we live in. And that's wonderful to me. I love that. But the other, the flip side of it is, you know, give us some new stories. Give us, you know, there are people out there with great ideas. I think Pixar is really good at this because we're going to get a new Pixar movie coming out called Elemental. Think about all the Pixar movies. The only thing that they've sort of repeated, it was Lightyear because they took that idea from, and I'm still a fan of that idea where they told a story about the action figure, not necessarily the action figure. Uh, they, they do try to make new stories and, and I am a big fan of Pixar. So um, yeah, that that's sort of where I'm at with that. I, I would like to see new things, but I, I do, I'm still enjoying the remakes, but I wouldn't want to be in a place where we get more remakes than we get um, new things. We, we mentioned this a couple episodes ago. I think it was our summer movies uh, episode. We talked about vacation. I like yeah. that idea. That's sort of a reboot, not necessarily a remake, because there were characters that whose stories were, were extended. Um, but if you want to get a property that was fun and good and successful and just have a new updated way of s- telling a continuation of that story, I'm down for it. I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, but I do think that we might be reaching a critical mass here of just remaking everything. What do you, what do you think? What's, what's your take on it? Honestly, I feel similarly to you. I thought of the same thing where it's updated to not only the visual effects, but also the actual current times and being able to see diversity and seeing, being able to see more real things. And the first thing that comes to my, my brain is, and I 100% blame mom for this uh, because I've never actually seen it beginning to end. But the remake of Aladdin uh-huh. is so different in a lot of respects compared to the original. It's live action 
and it has a very different story in certain regards. What I'm trying to get at is the musical scenes, <clears throat> they have very similar ones, but then the scene that is pretty much like women empowerment, I'm not just here to be just yeah. seen, but I will be heard, I will yeah. be respected. Speeches. And how that just, exactly, that just gets mom going, whether she admits it or not. She looks like she's <laughs> going to run through a wall by the time the musical number is done. But stuff like that, I think, is just so important because before these movies are just entertainment, they're stories and they're supposed to tell a story more than just be able to turn your brain off and take a break from whatever world you're living in. And a story like that being heard by a 10, 11-year-old girl or just a 10, 11-year-old person in general, I think is so powerful and moving. And without that being in a children's movie, I think it's more difficult for that that subject to be talked about within a family or something like that. And with those things being sprinkled in through the remakes of movies, I think it's amazing. But for other movies like, I've never seen the remake of The Lion King. I actually haven't seen most of the remakes of mm-hmm. of my childhood stories. Mm-hmm. And I've just heard from all different kinds of sources, friends, family, the internet, whatever. It's just, they think it's more of a cash grab. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if they have that one payoff moment, like that song in in Aladdin, I think it all makes it worth it. And yeah. it's not just a cash grab. I think it's Walt Disney still trying to have his impact beyond the grave um, and have these stories, very important stories told to all sorts of different kinds of people and new generations at that. And that goes to my point of Disney, but for other remakes like Your Vacation Point, a reboot, I love it. As long as it's done well and it's not just pretty much the same timeline framework of the original movie. I think it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And if it's anything creative, I think that considers it in my opinion to be original just has its own like manual to base itself off of. And I think it's so cool when it's done correctly, but is um a big miss when it's done poorly. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it needs to have everything that you just mentioned um creativity being very important, but also those modern and important updated messages. And I'm so glad you brought up Speechless and Aladdin because that's, I think, the best point for the remakes that Disney's remake doing. You know, there's smaller examples of that in other um, in, in other movies. Beauty and the Beast was a really good movie. I enjoyed that remake, but it's pretty much a faithful retelling of the first story as is Aladdin as well. But I don't remember there being a standout moment like speechless, uh, during beauty and the beast, uh, lion King for me, the lion King was more of a, a technical feat than anything else. Cause that one really was very closely remade to the original but the fact that there wasn't one blade of grass that was actually real, it was yeah. all done, you know, in a computer was what I thought was incredible. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I think that if you're going to remake a story, like you said, 
have that important message to, to speak to people and then make it creative as well. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's just a good conversation. And I don't think they're going away anytime soon because studios have to fill a lot of airtime with streaming and they want a lot of butts and seats to continue, yeah. you know, filling their, their bank accounts. And the fact of it is good, timeless stories will always be remade. And if they have those compelling parts to it, I'm on board with it. I agree. It also brings me to a, a show I actually watched uh, recently with Brittany, and it's called Reboot. I watch it oh. on Hulu. I don't know if it's on other streaming platforms, but I doubt it. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, I think it was a Hulu original. So very much doubt that it's anywhere else. But it's very funny because it's called Reboot, and it's about rebooting a show that the cast is now grown up from. Oh. And trying to have a different take on it. And the original creator of the show within the show um, wasn't brought back. It was actually the daughter of the original writer who was trying to bring it back. But they have a very messed up relationship. Mm. And it's more like a real take on it's more behind the scenes. You don't really get to see the actual scenes of the show within the show which I honestly like, but it's really cool. I will say that it is mature. It is not for children, <laughs> um, but I think it's a fun way of showing the, what do you call it? The studio aspect of rebooting something and the process that comes to it. But I thought it was very funny and very enjoyable. enjoyable. Um, and I and I binged the whole thing in a day. So, <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes? It's only one there? season, so... Uh, I think it was maybe nine or ten. I think that's like the sweet spot, right? Like these streaming shows yeah. go for like the eight to twelve uh, episode. But that's what an interesting concept, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. If you find an interesting and creative little nugget of a piece of a of of a genre, you know, you can yeah. spin a, a whole season's worth of stories out there. If it's done well, do it. Keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a to good example. Give a little bit. To give a little bit of a, a gauge to the maturity level, um, Johnny Knoxville, isn't it? <laughs> oh, well, that says <laughs> <And> a lot. <laughs> exactly. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I'm, it's interesting that you brought that up because I have an example uh, as well of something that I think is creative and and well done, and that's Young Sheldon. Um, yeah. And that is family friendly. That's I think that's out there for everybody to see. And I I never really watched The Big Bang Theory. Uh, as it was in its however many seasons it was 12 something seasons. 46 but because of 40 <laughs> 46 46 seasons <laughs> 47 except uh there was a writer strike during that run too so. <laughs> <laughs> um but again i never really watched it as it came out but because of streaming and you can go back and just sort of binge these things gosh what a what a great show and it's really right up our alley right because it's so many references to the fun pop culture, nerd culture, uh, but it still has the heart, the friendship, and the series finale was fantastic. Uh, I will just—I'm not going to ruin it for anybody in case you haven't seen it, but I, I think you got to see front row meltdown of me not liking the series finale of Modern Family. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've sort of become legendary in our house about how much I I dislike that that series finale, <laughs> and me I don't dislike many things, so I just 
don't like it. Um, but for all the reasons I disliked the Modern Family series finale, I liked the Big Bang Theories series finale uh, because it just left all the characters in such a in wonderful places. I will leave it at that. Yeah. But my rant here is not about the Big Bang Theory. It's about young Sheldon. I because I wasn't really following the Big Bang Theory, I naturally didn't really carry on to young Sheldon. But I've been watching that with mom, too. And that's such a smart show. I mean, here you have this character, Sheldon Cooper, obviously a phenomenon on a phenomenal show that lasted for a long, long time. And you take that character and you're like, no, we're going to build another show about who he was before we ever met him. And I'll be honest, when I first heard that it existed, I'm like, well, that's sort of gimmicky. That sort of sounds like a cash grab to me. Just keep this character in, in pop culture. But after having sat down and watched as much as we've watched now, it's such a well-made show. And I heard, I read somewhere that someone compared it to um, like the Big Bang Theory's Wonder Years. And the Wonder Years was one of my favorite shows growing up. And it's true. This show really is sort of like a late 80s, early 90s wonder years based on these characters that we knew from another show and i am just every episode that they that they make whether they place a little wink and a nod to the big bang theory in it and there's some that are more than others i just really feel like it's very creative and if you haven't watched it if you're out there and you haven't watched young sheldon i think there's like six six um seasons now go do yourself a favor and check it out that's that's a good one well, now we're, now we're sitting here recommending TV shows to people. You got anything else? Absolutely. Only Murders in the Building. Watch it. It is very good. Martin Short, uh, Selena Gomez, and the other guy. I forget his name. I find it. Oh, that's uh, it Steve. Is... One of the Steves. Um, Steve. Yeah, like Steve Martin. Face. Steve Martin, yeah. There we go. Um, I always remember they share initials. It's just inverse. Martin Short, Steve Martin. Uh, but they're very good, and it has a podcast element to it, which I thought was very funny, but it's a true crime podcast element. It's not like ours, so we won't be talking about murder any more than we're talking about any uh, only murders in the building, but I would absolutely recommend watching that. It is very fun, and to me, it's like a modern, very modern version of like a murder mystery novel. So it has chapters, it has certain things, it has callbacks, but it's of the dynamic of two older fellas who follow this podcast, and then there's Selena Gomez who plays like a mid-20s, maybe late 20s um, character, and they all live in the same building, but they all come from very different walks of life, and I 10 out of 10 recommend it. I think there's three seasons out now, maybe two, but I know there's one more coming, whether it's in production now or not, I know it's supposed to come out in the next couple of years. So it's ongoing. So anybody who doesn't like ongoing shows, I say watch it anyway, because I'm similar to that feeling, but it was very good. You know, that's a whole other conversation that we could have about streaming <laughs> um, and like the benefits of watching a show that's completely concluded versus a show that's ongoing, because you literally yeah. have to wait like two or three years between seasons, which don't get me started. But I've heard of, <laughs> I've heard of the show. I knew you watched it and I haven't watched it myself, uh, but I know it's very popular. So good call. Um, I yeah. will say that we do have some things 
in common with that show because it you you mentioned it they're fans and then become a true crime podcast we truly commit crimes every time we record because we butcher the english language and just rant (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you clarified what crimes we're committing we don't need this to be used as evidence if we actually do commit a crime (laughs) um all right well i will I will see your only murders in the building and raise you a marvelous Mrs. Maisel because that show's coming to an end pretty soon. And yes, we will definitely slap the mature audiences only tag on it for language and other things, but there's five seasons. And I got to tell you that it's one of the best made shows I've ever seen in my life. And what I mean by that is writing the writing is is next level. Like it wins so many awards. Like I can't tell you how good the writing is. Just look up how many awards this show has has won. The writing, the performances, the costumes, the production value. It takes place in the late fifties, early sixties, and it's about basically a housewife that does wants to become a stand up comedian. And it's five seasons worth of some of the best of everything you can imagine, whether you want to say writing performances, production, whatever. I've never been disappointed by an episode in this, in this show, not once. And I think I started watching it when season three was just about to drop. So we did have the whole delay between three and four. I was like, when is Miss Maisel coming back? When? And then they announced that the fifth season is going to be the final one. And I think we're within a couple weeks of it, of it, releasing its last episodes most of the seasons are eight episodes i think there's one that was 10 so i'm just going to guess that season five will be eight episodes and i believe as of this recording there are six maybe seven so we're looking at coming up closely to the end but if you haven't watched it give yourselves a couple weeks and you'll have a complete series to watch and it's I can't stop talking about it, but right now I'm just going to stop talking about it because, you know, I'll just keep going on and on. So, um, yeah, well, you know, what a, what a fun conversation. Uh, thank you for joining me as we've, uh, just sort of celebrated the elimination of the Oilers and thanked some doctors and nurses and, uh, talked about some cool stuff and star Wars made a, uh, an appearance. And so, you know, that makes me happy. You got any final yep. thoughts before we head out? Uh, no, I'm just enjoying passively watching hockey and not drowning in homework. This is a good break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the next wave of homework, I'm sure, is right around the corner for you, so I won't keep oh, you yeah. too long. I All can right, hear that's it scraping at my door. Yeah, it's it is, it is. I can hear it too. It's sort of eerie. <laughs> it's like a loath cat. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Colby Cast. For Caleb, this is Colby reminding you to find a doctor or a nurse and give them a big hug. Bye. You can find The Colby Cast on Twitter and Instagram at The Colby Cast. If you're wordy, like me, you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, donkey. That'll do.